A new project, Ending Violence Against Children, has been launched in the Solomon Islands in a bid to take big strides towards improvement of child protection. The coalition that was formally launched on Tuesday includes Child Fund, Save the Children and World Vision and is supported by the New Zealand Aid Programme. Save the Children New Zealand's Advocacy Director, Jackie Salvi, told Lydia Lewis at the moment the legal age for marriage in the Solomon Islands is 15 and the coalition hopes to work with the government to raise the age to 18 among tackling many other issues while working with community groups. So currently we are in the Solomon Islands and we uh, have launched the End and Violence Against Pikanini programme. We launched that formally yesterday and we are now, uh, that's kicked off a three-day workshop which looks at skill, um, skill building, extending capacity at the local level and working together to create an ongoing plan to take this campaign forward. What is the ongoing plan and who is there taking part in these workshops? Well, we've got a number of local stakeholders that are part, that are part of this coalition. We've also got the key INGOs, Save the Children, World Vision and Child Fund here. And we have a representative from the NZ Government Aid Programme who's come along to uh, join in the workshop and learn about the programme and um, also be there as that supportive voice from um, the New Zealand government. Who's contributing what and where is it going to? It's a jointly uh, funded programme between Child Fund, Save the Children and World Vision and it is funded by the New Zealand Government Aid Programme. Uh, The New Zealand government committed $1 million toward ending violence in the Pacific and this program won a funding award from that commitment and that is um, being used to help fund alongside partner funding for this. How significant is this work? What do you hope to tackle? Well this is incredibly significant because all around the world we know that there are high levels of violence against children and the Solomon Islands are really putting their hand up and saying it's time to stop, it's time to end violence against children and it's a call out to the Solomon Islands as a people to end violence against Tikkanini and that's the Uh, pigeon translation of the program. So this is exciting. It brings together coalition partners, uh, child rights organisations that are invested in changing uh, the situation of violence against children. And we're doing it with um, government partnership and the support of the New Zealand government. And I think there is much we'll be able to learn from this project, including for New Zealanders. How are we working together to make change? We know that the Solomon Islands has issues with violence against children and so does New Zealand. And to change it, you've got to put your hand up and you've got to commit to change and uh, ending, ending the situation. What response have you had from the government? Well, government officials did attend the launch yesterday and they were very supportive of this initiative. They, they um, acknowledged the opportunity to work in partnership with um, the leading NGOs and also the New Zealand government. So there's a lot of um, support and positive commitment to this partnership and they're also excited to see what will happen uh, as we progress over the coming years. And there was a report, I understand, that took place between uh, 2008 and 2017 by the Solomon Islands government and they found that it's not a safe place for children. Did that play a role in informing you as to whether or not you wanted to step in and help or not or what was it? What was the catalyst? Yes, absolutely. There's a journey of the evidence base where different reports had been had been established to look at the situation of violence, including a report led by Save the Children called Unseen and Unsafe, and that specifically looked at levels of investment um, on 
ending violence against children in the Pacific. And through that, that report, that research, we were able to show that the New Zealand government had not uh, specifically committed funding to ending violence against children. We were able to then put a very strong call to action to the New Zealand government to make that investment, and they responded by announcing that million-dollar investment to end violence against children in the Pacific. So there was a, a very specific journey of collecting evidence and using that to call for action and the government responding to that call. And on the timeline, is this the first initiative to receive, you know, get 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 a chunk of funding from that, or where is this um, on yes. the... Yeah, okay. Yes, this is the first initiative that kicks off um, that specific funding. And because of that, how significant is this, or what does this mark? Well, it really is a milestone about taking seriously child protection and taking action on that. Often child protection is hidden within the roles and responsibilities of families, but as a community, as a society at all levels, from parents to community to teachers, government professionals, um, to policy legislation, decision makers, we've all got to work together to end violence against children. And this this program is specifically looking to work in this way. We're not just targeting, we're not making it just a government problem or just an individual parent problem. We're looking at the whole picture and taking a holistic approach and, and aiming to bring everyone along with us for this change. Thank you so much. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Just that we are very grateful to the Solomon Islands government and also to the New Zealand government for working together with us in this important partnership. And we are very hopeful and excited about the change that this will bring for children and keeping them safe and protecting them from violence. Still on this story, Leah Lewis also spoke with Dudley Tawari, who is attending the workshop. He's a counsellor at Talkspot, a partnership between Child Fund and the Hunera City Council. He opened up about trauma in his family that pushes him to do his best for Solomon Island children in his work. The 29-year-old says high rates of poverty, political and economic instability and ethnic tensions, coupled with very limited public mental health support, are all contributing to rising levels of social and emotional issues in youth in Solomon Islands. A warning, this next story discusses sensitive issues and topics such as suicide and may be distressing for some listeners. Unemployment and uh, substance, drug uh, abuse and other stuff, uh, it uh, somehow uh, become biggest issues. And so um, on daily basis, uh, the, some of the issues that we are uh, helping young people with is managing their emotions in terms of like, when we talk about emotions, we talk about things like anger management, how to manage uh, stress when they are feeling stress, how to cope up with depression, uh, how to help themselves keep on the positive side of life. And so those were some of the issues that we identify uh, young people are struggling with. And even parents too, uh, having hard time on uh, dealing or helping their children when they don't have the right mechanism to support their emotions, uh, manage their anger and uh, stress or depressions that they are facing. And I understand that there are very limited public mental health support and services. Can you please explain um, a little bit about the public system, what support there is and what more support is needed for young people? In terms of, like you mentioned, the public health support, uh, it's limited. That's very true. Currently, there's nothing. I mean, um, nothing as such happening. 
And so we would like to thank the New Zealand government through Charles and New Zealand for supporting the initiative to create a, a, a space for young people to come and access services. So currently, TopSport, we are having a counseling space that was uh, designed by young people purposely for young people to access the service. We have others, but uh, very few, but then young people don't have uh, a connection to go to access those counseling services. So that is why we came up with an idea supported by Charles and New Zealand uh, on this TopSport project initiative to um, have a counseling space that is safe and free for young people to come and access. Is this the only free and easily accessible counselling service for young people in Honiara? In currently speaking, yeah, we don't have any service that is providing uh, counselling for young people. They provide it for general public, but not for specifically for young people in general. Uh, currently speaking, TalkSport project that was funded by Child for New Zealand is the only uh, uh, council. They are the ones that are providing counselling service uh, for young people at the moment. So before TalkSport, what happened? If, if you were a young person and you'd survived domestic violence or <clears throat> needed support following life trauma, what would happen? Uh, thank you. That's a great question. Uh, in our in our setting here, before TalkSport came, uh, there is nothing as such apart from Empower Pacific Safe Place uh, Christian Care Centre. Uh, in the instance that a, a male or a man uh, have problem with trauma or a problem with violence. Uh, there is no way for men to go except for women and children. There are spaces provided for them, and so sometimes a young man, a young person themselves, uh, they don't know, just know, just don't know how to react or where to go to access service that would help them deal or cope up with uh, issues they are facing in terms of uh, emotions, managing the emotions and how to cope up with the challenges that they are facing daily. And so it's it's very important, this service, but it's my understanding that it is only in Honiara at the moment, and there are very remote villages and areas in the Solomon Islands that I'm sure need support like this. What is being done, or is it on the horizon, to roll out Toxpot across the Solomon Islands? Um, it, I think it, de- it depends mainly on the funders, because uh, the tax support project that is happening uh, right now in Honiara is uh, a five-year project that will end in 2025. And so uh, beyond 2025, we don't know, but uh, it would be great if uh, a child from New Zealand and uh, uh, through effort would uh, see the need to expand it to uh, other provinces, because as you've mentioned, uh, we have uh, other provinces that are remote, and uh, there were young people battling their uh, how to cope up with their emotions uh, and navigate their life uh, every day. Yeah. Can you give an example of a story of a young person that 
has really benefited from this counselling and support? Well, uh, thank you. Uh, for the past two years, uh, the focus, uh, the initiative, uh, sorry, the Toxport project, um, I think firstly of this project, it, it, it helps train youth workers. So it focuses more on the capacity building, uh, not really much on community outreach, not until the second year, but then uh, also during the second year, we have the challenge that I think the whole world faced with the pandemic. And so there were few uh, restrictions and all this. And so we don't really uh, do much of community outreach programs in the second year, not until this year after the COVID-19, when the state of emergency is lifted, that is when we begin our programs on community outreach. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, to give a testimony of how the impact of top spot is, uh, I think I would like to share my experience. Uh, from my experience, before coming in contact with TalkSport Project, you're talking about social and emotional well-being, I was someone who experienced a relationship that is toxic, a toxic relationship for six years. And so it even reaches the point where sometimes I was thinking of having the suicidal, suicidal thoughts. But then when I came and uh, came to know about TalkSport Project and start to involve in it, I start to talk about managing your emotions, managing your depression, stress, anger management, and all this, it really helps me out, and it, it pushed me out from that uh, six years of toxic relationship. And now I'm uh, talking to you. I'm a free, happy patient. Um, so, yeah, I think that is one of the evidence of uh, the impact of Toxport uh, in, wow. uh, in Honiara. Thank you. What is your age? I'm turning 30 this year. Wow. And um, do you mind explaining what toxic meant? When you say a toxic relationship, you don't have to because this is personal, but when you say what is a toxic relationship for those listening and thinking, oh, maybe I need support, can you explain to them what is okay and what you've learned is not okay in a relationship? You think when I'm, when I'm referring to toxic relationship, it was kind of a relationship that, uh, we have unnecessary fighting, we have jealousy there, we have anger. Uh, at times we have trust issues. We don't trust each other. And so uh, it's tears anger uh, and also leads sometimes violence, emotional violence. And so there were times uh, I feel belittled or my partner feel belittled because some of the language that we use uh, in our conversations, and there are times we angry and start to yell at each other, and then and you get to experience all these emotions of you're feeling sad, you're feeling uh, of a passion of no value, and so yeah, uh, experiencing those things uh, uh, makes me think that I think this relationship is a toxic one, it's a poisonous relationship, it's killing my happiness. It's killing my emotional well-being. And so, yeah, when I'm referring to uh, toxic relationships, I'm, I'm, those are the things that I, I mentioned. Uh, and it's, a, 
it's amazing that you've been able to move from a space of toxicity to empowerment and now to become a counsellor. How did that transition happen from going through such a toxic relationship to then becoming a support person, somebody who is then supporting others? Well, thank you. Uh, I become a youth vocation because of the support system that uh, I'm having through my engagement with Honiara City Council uh, Youth Division. And so that helps me uh, pull out from uh, where I am in the previous times uh, to where I am today. And so, yeah. Did you always want to pursue a career in this or how did this come about? I think uh, thanks to the New Zealand government through Talksport uh, Child for New Zealand, uh, they gave me the opportunity to take uh, to do uh, certificate four in youth work at uh, APTC, that is Australian uh, Technical uh, Australian Pacific Technical Coalition. And so, yeah, uh, I would like to say a massive thank you to the people of New Zealand for the support that they rendered towards uh, young people in Honiara, especially in terms of capacity building to help us cope with. Uh, issues that we face. Is it frustrating knowing that other people, other young people are suffering without without the support, knowing that it has such a huge impact on people's lives, but also knowing that people in rural areas and villages that don't have the same infrastructure and support as people and young people do in Honiara are not getting this support? Oh, thank you. I think uh, to me, it's 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 not it's not a frustrating thing, but to me, I can say that it's a sad thing for me to see uh, young people uh, experience or uh, having difficult times coping with uh, social and emotional well-being issues that they are facing on a daily basis. It's sad because uh, we don't have the limited, uh, we don't have enough resources. Uh, to to help them. Uh, it's also sad because uh, uh, we we don't have uh, enough manpower to to or enough uh, funding to carry out the good works in our provinces. And so, um, to me, it's a bit sad. And not only that, but it's also motivating. It helps me. To whenever I get a chance to talk with someone or to talk with a young person, um, I must do my best to help him or her uh, aware of uh, the first services that we provided here um, and how they can access the services to help them. You mentioned that you need more resources and funding. Yes. Have you approached the government for this money or does it need to come from the New Zealand government and aid providers? From here moving forward, it is important for us to talk with the government uh, to help this initiative, to support this initiative. I think uh, during the launching of this event, the government, uh, sorry, the launching of this project that was way back in 2002, 
2020, the government through the Ministry of Women, New Children and Family Affairs have uh, registered their support uh, that they will support this initiative uh, of helping young people uh, dealing with their social and emotional well-being and so yeah, uh, currently we have uh, also the support of the government, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, they have given everything, but they give in what they are capable of giving. And so, yeah, big thanks to you guys, to New Zealand government, and also uh, to the government of Solomon Islands. Hopefully, uh, after 2025, they would see uh, the great importance of helping the 70% of young people in 70% uh, of population of Solomon Island, which is young people, to deal with their social and emotional well-being issues. What can adults do to play their part? What is your message to adults, parents, family members who are struggling themselves and taking their struggles out on young people? I think my message to uh, adults would be uh, don't put too much pressure on the young people. Uh, don't have too much expectations from them. Uh, be realistic and know that on a daily basis, uh, young people are, uh, and children are facing their own challenges. And so it's important to have a mutual understanding and mutual dialogue with the young people and the children so that uh, the, the older generation or the adults would understand uh, what's the need on the ground rather than expecting too much from the kids or from the young, young people. Uh, that sometimes can trigger uh, issues of uh, you're giving too much expectation to young people and children that they would get under pressure and sometimes they, that would help causes stress and so I would advise them to uh, help the young people on not giving too much pressure on them and then just understand their standpoint of view and uh, consult with them and have a good mutual uh, talk with them that can create a mutual understanding and that can really help I believe yeah and the marriage age is still 15. What do you think of that? I think uh, I'm thinking it would be great if it would increase the uh, marriage age uh, to 18. Yeah. Do you know anyone that has been married at 15 and how did it impact them? I have a personal connection to to this question. Um, I had this uh, third sibling of mine. Uh, actually, in our family, I'm the eldest. I have three sisters. Uh, my third-born sister got married when she was in, like, grade six or class six. Yeah, so I think she was about... 15 years, uh, less than 15 years or during that time, is she was about 14. I think it's because of uh, my father don't want to get stressed out about uh, all 
things relate to uh, relationship and all this. And so when she heard that the lady go and stay with the patient or sleep with the patient uh, with her boyfriend at their home, she said, okay, well, you now can get married so that uh, I don't want to, uh, you and your husband or your relationship would bother me. Let me uh, busy on doing stuff that would help the other siblings. And you decide to go and marry, then you can do it. So because my sister uh, uh, decided to marry, she took off and got married. But then later down the line, I think after having two children, her husband left her with two children. Was it traumatising at all? Has the family had to then support her through this marital journey? 14 years is very young. You're still a child. In, in, in Solomon, despite of or whatever, uh, our, our, our cultural, our family connection goes deep within uh, our cultural practice. And so at first it is when, like sometimes they usually say, it is when he or she is angry, she says those things. But then after when things, uh, problems and all these things were solved, she will always be a daughter. She will always be our sister. And so uh, we will always support her along the way. Yeah. And so we really supported our sister. Uh, although she was unemployed during the time, uh, although she is very young, but I, as an elderly brother, I feel that it is my responsibility to look after my sister. Um, also, my father, it is a responsibility to look after their daughter and to look after their grandchildren. And so, yeah, uh, our cultural system has helped us to be supportive to our families despite of uh, whatever we are facing. Yeah. Do young people simply not have space to be young people? Well, thank you. Uh, as a youth, as, as someone growing up as a youth, uh, uh, to be honest, what you've mentioned, uh, that is true. Uh, we don't have that space in our, in our community or even in our family. But I think through, uh, through engagement, uh, empowerment programs, capacity building programs for both adults and youth, at the moment, we have, uh, adults have come to realize that it is important to give space for young people to make decisions for themselves. And so um, over the few years, that has uh, changed a bit now. And so this change is happening at the moment. And so, yeah, uh, it's good to see the change happening. And it's good uh, feeling for me as a youth to be part of the change happening, that I have a space to make decisions for myself in the family, in the community, uh, or even in the society. Yeah. I have one more line of questioning, and that is corporal punishment. What was your experience growing up with corporal punishment? Is that still an issue? Um, is that still involved in schools and in families? Can you explain to me the current situation as you know? regarding corporal punishment? To be honest with you, 
me as a person or being the eldest in our family, I've experienced uh, what corporal punishment is. But I'm really thankful for uh, donors and even the government advocating for corporal punishment or to, to put a stop on corporal punishment. I see it changes. Uh, I can say uh, in our family, from my third, fourth, we have five, five in the family. Uh, my youngest brother and my youngest sister don't have to experience a corporal punishment anymore. Uh, it is because my mom and dad, uh, they have the knowledge on the impact of corporal punishment on children. And so it changes a lot at the moment uh, in Solomon Islands. Uh, although uh, some still practice it in remote areas, it is, I believe it is because of information uh, didn't reach them. Uh, they didn't have access to such trainings or opportunities that some in Honiara and other provinces have. But the important thing is that change is happening.